Alrighty, time for another show. Uh, I'm gonna do a special one for this one. This one is uh, this one's a little little rough, but you know, you're grown ups, you'll fucking deal. Alright. So let me tell you about a bad motherfucker named Paul. So I own uh, some rentals. And way back when, I, uh, I bought myself a rental up here where I live in Washington State. Bought it at the height of when things was imploding. And, you know, ended up, uh, you know, doing some good with it. You know, uh, price went up dramatically after everything went sideways, you know. Back in 2011 around this area. Well, uh, sold it. Went to go buy another place, and man, I just, I just couldn't afford anything around here. So, I uh, sold the place I had, and I was looking around. And I remember getting on this website called Bigger Pockets, and they're they're fucking great if you're into real estate. Love those guys, especially um, uh, Brandon, the, the beardy motherfucker. He's great. So anyway, I'm looking around, and they had an interview with this guy. And this guy's talking about how he owns all these rentals. And he had, he's owned something like a thousand rentals or some shit like that. And I, I was fascinated. I'm like, I'm listening to every word this guy's saying. And they said, you know, hey, you're, you're, uh, you must own half the city. And he goes, what are you talking about? No, no, no. My, my places are dotted all over the United States. And they said, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, you, uh, then your travel bill must be huge because, you know, you're going to be, um, you know, you know, don't, don't you want to check on all your rentals? And he goes, what are you talking about? He says, I've bought and sold properties I've never stepped foot in. And they're like, what? What do you mean? He says, yeah. He says, between Skype and, you know, uh, inspection reports and photos and videos and walkthroughs and appraisals and all that shit. He says, I don't need to step foot in those places. You know, I, I got local property managers there and everything's great. Well, it kind of set off a light bulb in my head. I'm like, oh, well, fuck. I, mean, I guess if, you know, he can do it, I can do it too. Fuck it, you know? So... I go and uh, I buy. I'm looking online. I'm uh, I, I narrow it down between uh, two places. I look online and Google, and Google has a list of you know best bang for your buck properties. Uh, one's in Atlanta, Georgia, and the other one is in St. Louis, Missouri. So I go and I uh, look up a few things, and sure as shit, Atlanta has hurricanes. So I was like, fuck that, St. Louis, it is. So this is around 2014, about summer of 2014. So I'm searching around. I find two properties. One property is $40,000, which is literally like a third of the price um, of my previous rental. But it rents for 800 bucks a month. So I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to buy that place, right? And I found another place. It was $60,000, and it was going to rent for 900 bucks a month. I'm like, fuck yeah, this is an easy decision, right? So, I, I see these two places, and I'm like, you know what? I need a proper property manager. So, I meet this guy, Paul. And Paul is a hard-drinking, cigar-smoking, funny motherfucker. Kind of like Ron White. Kind of reminds me a lot about Ron White, right? You know, you do right by him, he'll do right by, he'll do right by you. So, Paul... Ugh, a little too much vodka in this one. So Paul, he's uh, 
you know, he's helping me out. He's doing, he's doing right. He's, you know, getting everything going. He talks to me. He answers calls, you know, and he's two hours ahead of me. I get off of work at five o'clock. I call him at seven o'clock his time. This motherfucker answers his phone. No problem. Answers every stupid fucking question I have. I buy these properties. Literally two weeks later, Ferguson, and some of you motherfuckers know what I'm talking about. There was a shooting of a kid named Mike Brown literally two fucking miles from my property. I'm like, God damn it. Was a justified police shooting. Kid was reaching for the cop's gun, beating his face in, all that kind of shit. Won't get into the politics of that. But black people there lost their fucking minds. Riots burned this. uh, The one I remember most is they burned this poor woman's hair salon down. She owned like a wig shop or some beauty shop, some shit like that. Had nothing to do with nothing, but they burned this fucking woman's place down. Pissed me off. I'm like, you motherfuckers. So, my first thought was, fuck. You know, am I going to be owning some piece of shit fucking rentals in the middle of a goddamn ghetto? You know, or am I going to say, fuck it? And, you know, I'm going to say, hey, you know, places are on sale now. (laughs) So... Fast forward a little bit. I, I, I calmed down a little bit. Got some good tenants in there. Everything's going fine. <clears throat> so, uh, Paul calls me up and says, Hey, man, uh, this is about oh, about a six months or a year after the Ferguson riots. Calls me up and says, Man, I got a deal of a fucking lifetime for you. Right Now, in real estate, there's a thing called the 1% rule. What it basically means is that if you have a property, let's say you buy a property for $100,000, right? You typically want to have the rent be 1% of that $100,000. So if you buy a $100,000 property, you should have at least $1,000 a month in rent. Now, when I bought these $40,000 and the $40,000 house, it was, you know, renting out for 800 bucks a month. So I'm like, well, fuck it. You can't lose money on that. And he was right. It was pretty hard to lose money on that shit, right? So Paul comes at me and says, hey, listen, I got a four-house deal for you. Uh, rents across all four is $3,600 a month. I'm like, okay, I'm listening, I'm listening. He says he wants $160,000. I'm like, okay, each? He goes, no, total. He wants $160,000 for four houses. I'm thinking, what the fuck are wrong with these houses? He says, yeah, some of them need a little bit of love. You know, paint jobs, stupid shit, you know, things like that. But nothing major. I'm like, all right, cool. Got tenants in there already. No big deal. Sign the new leases. Everybody wins, right? So I buy these places, right? I'm thrilled. I'm fucking walking on sunshine. Having a grand old time. Now I've got six properties, right, instead of one. And we're talking this literally less than two years after I sold my first property. I'm like, all right, we are on our way, right? So sure shit. About... You know, six months, a year goes by. Paul calls me up. Says, hey man, bad news. I'm like, all right, what's going on? He says, I got terminal, can- or I have cancer. I'm like, okay. And uh, I says, is it a terminal? And he says, well, no, doctors don't know yet, but, you know, it, we'll, we'll see. So I'm like, all right, cool, no big deal. I says, well, you go get better. You point me in a direction of, uh, of you know, your assistant or some shit like that. You know, we'll go ahead and, uh, we'll go ahead and, uh, you know, you know, do without you until you get better. Then when you get better, you come back. You're my guy. You know, hey, I fucking love you. You're you're a solid dude. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. So, two weeks goes by. Calls me up. 
out of the blue. I'm like, oh, hey, man, you know, how's it going? You know, how you feeling? He says, hey, man, I'm, uh, I got to pawn you off to this other lady for a little while. And I'm thinking, oh, man, the cancer's got worse. No, his boss fired him. And that pissed me off. That pissed me off something fierce. I was just livid. I'm like, you don't fucking treat people like that. Especially like a motherfucker like Paul. Paul's a friend of ours. You treat a fucking friend of ours like a fucking brother. So fast forward. I'm like, I told him, I says, here's the thing, dude. I says, you go get better. You come back. Wherever you land, I'm there, dude. I says, I'm under contract right now. But as soon as you fucking land somewhere, you let me know I'm moving. You're my guy. He got a little bit choked up. He's like, hey, man, really fucking appreciate that. So he pawns me off onto this lady, and she's just the fucking worst. Never returns my phone calls, you know, has vague answers for direct questions, stupid shit. Fucking hated her. So fast forward about six months. Paul's still not any better. My contract's coming up. So I call the owner of the property management company. Say, hey, dude, how's it going? He goes, hey, what's going on? I see you're... Uh, you're about ready for uh, renew. I go, yeah, I'm not going to be renewing. He goes, what? Why? I says, a couple things. I says, you know, one, you got a lady here who doesn't return my fucking phone calls. I says, that's bad enough. And he goes, oh, well, we, can, we can get you a new property manager. I was like, no, nah, no. Nah. I says, you can basically give me the best property manager money can buy right now, and I'm not doing it. He says, how come? I says, because of Paul. He says, what Paul do wrong? I said, Paul didn't do a fucking thing wrong. It's what you did wrong. You fucking kicked this poor bastard in the mouth when he got his teeth kicked in. And you're, you're, you're doing that shit? No, I'm, I'm not fucking doing that. I don't do business with people like that. You know, if you're willing to kick him in the fucking teeth when the motherfucker got cancer, you know, who knows what the fuck you're doing with me behind my back, right? So I moved. So a little while later, I uh, get a phone call from him and we're catching up, right? Hey, man, how you feeling? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, good, good, good. You know, birthdays would roll around, Christmas would roll around, shit like that. I'd send him some, you know, small shit. Just, you know, hey, feel better, buddy, right? I said, hey, where's your old lady? I don't hear her in the background. Because usually his old lady, you know, you could hear her in the background. You know, standard old lady shit, right? Because they're in their 60s. He says, oh, I didn't tell you. I go, oh, man, what happened? He says, yeah, I got within a month's time from the time I got diagnosed... Two weeks later, I got fired. Two weeks after that, she left me. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? He goes, yeah, dude. I, I, he says, I don't know what the fuck happened. He says, it was completely out of left field. He says, she just came at me. You know, we've been together 20 fucking years. She just came at me and just said, I can't do this. And packed her shit and left. I'm like, fuck that. Fuck her. Just, I was livid pissed. I was more pissed than he was, honestly. He was just kind of like, well, you know, these things happen. I'm like, no, 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 fuck that. No, you know, fucking bitch, fucking cunt. Or, you know, just horrible shit. Every fucking word I could think of. So I said, what are you up to? And he said, oh, man, I'm uh, working at this place, uh, doing 3D prints for, you know, molding teeth of people and some shit like that. You know, blah, blah, blah. I said, all right. I says, well, uh. How are you doing financially? He says, ah, you know, I could use a few bucks here and there. I said, I tell you what. I says, I'm going to spit an idea at you. You tell me what you think, right? I says, you like being a property manager, right? He goes, yeah, love it. Fucking great. I'm great at it. You know, everybody's happy, blah, blah, blah. I said, you want to do it again? He says, would love to, but, you know, just can't. I go, why can't you? He says, well, you know, no place is going to hire me. I said, I'll hire you. 
He goes, what the fuck are you talking about? I says, how about you and me, you know, I mean you, start a, a property ran- management place and I'll be your customer. And he goes, you fucking do that? I go, fucking right I do that, man. You're, you're, you're a straight A guy, man. Fucking love you. You know, you're a brother. I'll, I'll take care of you. He's like, all right, cool. I said, you come back to me. You tell me what you need, right? <clears throat> so he comes back. He says, all right. He says, now, I have a full-time job, so I'm not sure what I can and can't do. So, all right, well, I'll tell you what. There's a lot of online automatic processes that you can do. Like there's this uh, website called Cozy that you can uh, have your tenants go through. Um, it'll automatically collect the rent. It'll automatically send out repair guys. It'll automatically do all this shit, right? So you really don't have to do anything in that regard, except for maybe you know once a month send a text message to somebody that says, hey, you know, you got to do this. Or if somebody calls you and says, hey, there's a repair, you know, you call our local guy. We got a local guy named Chris. You know, we 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 send Chris out there, right? I says you really don't have to do anything other than just baby shit, shit, right? All right, man, cool. So at the time, I was still under contract with a different place, right? So the idea was we were going to, and I skipped a little bit, but I shouldn't have, but. I had another property manager, and he was just nickel and diving me to fucking death, you know, and you would think, you know, I should be making money, and, you know, you're not making money, and you go, what the fuck is going on? And so when Paul came in, I said, you know, Paul's going to be the guy here, you know, we're not going to replace anybody, nothing like that, but Paul's going to be kind of like a babysitter, making sure you guys are doing your job. And they didn't like that, you know, they were like reluctant to give up shit, they were always, you know, wanting to do as little as humanly possible to get shit going, blah, 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 blah. So, eventually it came to a head when I had a tenant who absolutely destroyed one of my places. Cost me $15,000 in damage, right? And I called the property manager. I said, dude, what the fuck? And he goes, oh, man. You know, he says, they did a number. I says, here's the thing, though. I'm looking in here, and you said you went out there and, and, you know, got a new sign on a lease and blah, 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 right? He goes, yeah, I did. I said, so you went in there, right? And he goes, yeah. And I said, I'm looking at these pictures of this thing. This is not shit they did on the way out. This is shit that was like this for a while. So you're fucking lying to me, right? And then Paul fucking ripped into him. And Paul was like, no, this is bullshit, blah, blah. He was more pissed about it than I was. Kind of like I was more pissed about his old lady leaving. So anyways, uh, we eventually fired him. Just because they, were, they weren't doing much. They weren't doing a good job. And then uh, when Paul did get somebody in there, Paul got me more rent. Paul was going through the place going, okay, if we do this, this, and this, you'll get an extra 100 bucks a month here. If you do this, this, and this over this property, you'll get an extra 50 bucks here. On and on and on and on and on. I mean, he was fucking solid. So anyways, fast forward. I said, you know what? We're going to go ahead and we're going to, you know, do our own thing, right? Paul had, at this point, Paul tells me, before we, we, we go full time, he says, I need you to understand something. My cancer is terminal. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? You know, he goes, well, he says, doctors basically tell me I got about 10 years left. And, you know, they're not going to make me any better. He says, I'm always going to have cancer. But, um, you know, it's just it's just the way it is. He says, um, I'm going to go through chemo. It's going to, all my fucking hair is going to fall out, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I said, well, you tell me, man, what do you want to do? He says, man, I want to get back in the game. I want to do this. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. All right. You know, you, you tell me, right? <clears throat> so, fast forward. Paul grabs a hold of the reins and fucking yanks. He pulls everybody in. You will do this right. You will do this. You will do this. Took care of tenants. Straightened everything out. Talked to contractors. This guy was a fucking pit bull. 
Love this motherfucker. At this point, we're making money hand over fist, right? And when I asked him, when I initially hired him, I said, how much do you need, right? How much do you really need? He goes, for you, 500 bucks a month. And at this point, I have seven rentals. $500 a month is a steal. I should be paying closer to 1000 a month. But I'm like, fuck it, you want 500 a month? I'll tell you, I pay you 500 a month, right? So where Paul comes into play a little bit, where, where he really shows how much of a brother he really is. He, we, we would have something, you know, go wrong, you know, furnace need replace, whatever. And what Paul would do is Paul would go, oh, I'll, I'll pay for that and just give me back. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I would, uh, we established a bank account between us so that way I could just toss money in the account locally here and then he could just take it out wherever he was at. And I kept tossing money in there. I'm like, dude, there's money in there. He's like, nah, it's, he says, hold on to it. You never know when you're going to need it down, down the road. Okay. So, year and a half goes by. 500 bucks a month, 500 bucks a month, 500 bucks a month. I toss the money in there. He's not taking it out. So, <clears throat> he he says, hey man, um, we need a new roof on uh, one of the rentals. Cool man, not a big deal. He says, can you think you can cover it? It's going to be about six grand. Okay, yeah, I, said, I think I can get it. You know, I'll t- I might toss it on a credit card or some shit like that. He goes, oh, you're going to toss it on a card? You don't have the cash? And I go, well, I think I got like three grand in there right now. This is between everything. Because I had some tenants who weren't paying and, you know, COVID and all that other kind of bullshit. He says, tell you what. He says, I'll pay it. You you get me back. I say, you sure, man? He says, yeah, yeah, no, don't sweat it. And I go, okay. So back late October of 2020, finally got everybody happy, right? I sold one of my rentals in uh, Oklahoma. That I, because that was a side story. Sold my room rentals. I bought it for $54,000. I put $15,000 into it. So I'm into it for $69,000, right? I sold it three years later for $136,000. So I, after everything's all said and done, I get a $60,000 check. Take that $60,000. I pay off all my debt, all of it. And I happen to have some money left. And I said, Paul, I'm tired of owing you money, buddy. He says, you don't owe me money. He says, you're fucking good. I'm like, no, you know, I I like to make sure the money's in the bank. You may not take it, but I'm going to put the money in the bank. So I put the money in the bank, and it sat there. And then Christmas time rolled around. Hey, buddy, how you feeling? He's like, ah, you know, chemo's kicking my ass, you know, blah, 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 standard shit. Now, at this point, all of his hair is falling out of his head. You know, his he he looks like a fucking cancer patient. He's, He's in rough, rough shape. So... I'm like, hey man, how, how can I make you feel better? He says, you know, he says, I, I'm, I'm, he says, I, I'm told, you know, you can, there are certain things you can do where you can get like movies, music, games, all that kind of shit. I'm like, oh, piracy. Fuck yeah, dude. I can help you out. He's like, all right, man, what can you do for me? I said, tell you what, I'm going to send you a little box. That little box is going to connect up through a series of things. It's going to connect back to my box. Anything you want. Any fucking thing you want. You tell me. I'll make it happen. Right? Cool. Cool. Calls me up. Gives me a list of shows. Hey, I'd like to get this show. I'd like to get this show. I'd like to get this movie. He says, you really can get this shit? Fuck yeah, dude. I'm the king of that shit. Don't sweat it. So I next day air him. Little Roku box. Roku, by the way, you make a wonderful fucking box. That thing is great. So, box arrives. He gets it all connected up. Kicks it on, kicks on Plex, sure as shit. He's, uh, he kicks on, and then all of a sudden he goes, holy shit, 
everything's here. Every fucking thing is here. Every show I've ever wanted. Yeah, yeah, dude. I said, I can get you anything. I said, uh, you know, he goes, Gilligan's Island? Yeah, if you want. He says, you know, Hogan's Heroes? Yeah, if you want, dude. Fuck, whatever fuck you want, man. You, you tell me, brother. What you want, I'll, I'll make it happen, right? <sighs> Gives me a list of shows. Get him all those shows. He's like, holy fucking shit. Last thing we did, talked to him probably early January. And, you know, my old lady, she asked, uh, or basically late December, sorry. He, uh, late, uh, my old lady, she says, hey, what, what should we get Paul for, for Christmas? I says, you know, I don't know. I says, I'm, I'm more than happy to send the motherfucker over to Germany, just outside of Frankfurt. There's a little brothel there, you know, called the FKK Club. You know, hook a brother up, you know, maybe get him some weed, get him some hookers, you know, maybe a little Johnny Walker Blue, you know, some, some good times, right? And uh, she says, no. <laughs> she says, I tell you what, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll make him a blanket, right? I'm going to make him a blanket. Uh, I'll, I'll knit it myself, you know, stand at grandma's shed, right? Even though she's not a grandma. But she wanted to do something you know, nice and thoughtful for Paul, for all the shit he's done for us, right? So, sure shit, we, she finishes up the blanket about a week before Christmas, we ship it off, but shipping's been fucked up, so he gets it a couple days after Christmas, opens it up, oh my fucking god, this is wonderful, he gets a card from my boy, he's like, oh my god, dude, he says, this is fucking beautiful, love it. It's soft, it's wonderful, it's everything, man. It's fucking beautiful, thank you. Hey, man, anything for you, you know? And by the way, your money is sitting in the account, right? All of your money is sitting in the account. He's like, you shit me, dude? I go, yep, yep, you, you do whatever the fuck you want. I says, we're square. He's like, okay, appreciate it, bro. This is good. You go you go enjoy, you know, watch your shows, watch your movie, you know, kind of cuddle up, grab yourself some whiskey, have a good time, right? At this point, he's in pretty rough shape, right? Can't taste anything anymore. Chemo's kind of fucked him up. You know, things like that. So, a while later goes by, early early January, and he thinks he's got a cold. And, hey buddy, how you doing? He's like, oh man, I've got this fucking thing. He's been bugging the shit out of me. And he says, I, I, I fucking can't get my ass to the toilet, you know? I'm just fucking horrible. Now we have a tenant at this point who owed me about three months rent and we were literally just about to kick him out we were gonna he, I, I wanted to kick him out right before christmas right because like okay we haven't heard from him he's been gone radio silent he owes from october up till now <coughs> owes me a couple of grand <coughs> i'm gonna kick the fucker out paul says no 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 he says wait till early january because you kick him out two weeks before Christmas, this motherfucker's gonna trash the place on his way out. Like, God damn it, you're right. All right. So I text him, hey man, uh, this guy is, uh, you know, here we are, January 5th. I'm gonna call the attorney. We're gonna kick this motherfucker out. He's gotta go. I says, you know, maybe we swing by one last time because the stimulus had gone by, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I said, hey, I saw the stimulus had passed. He may end up passing us. He may end up paying us. He goes, okay, cool, man. So literally just start to write up uh, an email to the attorney. Say, you know what? I, I'm, I've, I'm tired of playing nice guy. You owe the fucking rent. I got property taxes and fucking insurance and, and expenses and mortgages and all that shit. He got to go. Just about to hit send. 
this motherfucker paid me in full. So I text Paul. Hey, man, he paid in full. He's like, oh, man, it's great, man. Really appreciate it, you know, blah, blah. I said, how you feeling? He's like, oh, man, I feel like shit, you know. I go, cool, man, cool. I says, you know, you go, you will feel better. Probably a week ago, week and a half ago, I get a call from Paul. Pick up the phone. Hey, motherfucker, how you doing? And it's a woman's voice. Hey, it's Francine. I'm like, this is Francine, his ex, who left him. And I'm sitting there thinking, why the fuck do you have Paul's phone? Because it came up on his caller ID. She said, uh, Paul's in the ICU. He, he's in rough shape. Okay, well, what's going on? She said, well, he's, uh, uh, he's got pneumonia. He's in pretty rough shape. Um, and with his chemo and all that kind of stuff, I mean, he's, he's in bad, bad shape. Okay. So I said, all right, I'm being polite. Right, I'm being polite, I'm being professional, but deep down I'm sitting there thinking, you left him in his fucking darkest hours. I don't like you, but fine. So fast forward, she tells me, I'm going through Paul's stuff with his roommate, and that was the other thing, he had to get a roommate to pay for some of the expenses because she fucking left. So, fast forward... She says, hey, one of his friends had loaned him a shit ton of money and and uh, has liens on the house. Okay, so I called the guy. Hey, dude, what's going on? She says, hey, man, I'm just, you know, Paul uh, you know, owed me a bunch of money, so I got liens on the house and the car. He did it all willingly a couple years back. Um, I got paperwork, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, Paul defended me when I didn't know any better. And, you know, Paul deserves, Paul, Paul deserves, you know, me to, you know, step up and make sure he's taken care of. So I go, dude, I need to see all of that. I said, I don't have any kind of legal, you know, justification for any of that. I says, but just, just as a brother, I want to see that. So anyways, we're going back and forth. Then the guy that he's talking about says, hey, you know, I don't know what Francine's talking about here, but she's, uh. You know, I'm getting word from the hospital that Paul's just fine. Hmm, fucking weird. So I said, alright, well, you know, let me let me call the hospital. So I call the hospital, and to their credit, they really stuck by HIPAA laws. I said, listen, I'm looking for my brother Paul. They go, yeah, we can't tell you anything over the phone. I go, okay. I says, let me tell me this. I says, I'm hearing two things. I'm hearing one, he's on death's door and it's a matter of time, and I'm hearing he's going to walk out of here. I said, is he going to be in the hospital for the while? And the nurse said, oh, yeah. So I'm like, all right, that tells me everything I need to know. So I tell Francine, need you to go to his house and get that blanket that my old lady made for him. Make sure he's comfortable. So she says, oh, no, he already has it. The ambulance, when they took him, uh, he grabbed that blanket and, uh, and uh, took it with him. I'm like, okay, cool. So now I'm waiting for an update on Paul. Waiting, waiting, waiting. And I don't hear anything. So I'm like, all right. So I call Francine. How's Paul? She says, well, he's sedated. And the, he's basically, when he does come out of sedation, sedation, I don't know what the fuck word that is, uh, he's basically saying, let me go. And now I'm thinking... You know, because it's the X, you know, you, you, you naturally question this shit. 
So I'm like, okay, well, we'll we'll see how that goes. So she says, I don't know what to do. You know, there's there's all this this stuff. And I says, well, fortunately for you, I've uh, had to deal with death a lot. And I'll, I'll as soon as I'm done with this story, I'll veer off into why I've dealt with death on a on a decent enough basis. So when I'm, uh, I said, that, you know, what you need to do. Have the funeral home call me, okay? If he really is on death's door, have them call me. So I get a phone call from a St. Louis uh, place. Uh, they're going to cremate him. <clears throat> so I said, all right, no problem. You know, just, you know, Paul's a brother. I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it out of the account that, you know, is his. On and on and on. And so Tuesday rolls around. This Tuesday, uh, the 12th, I think. Let me check here. Yep, Tuesday the twelfth. I get a phone call from the place. It says hi, this is uh, you know, the lady that I talked to. And I said, yeah, yeah, I recognize you. What's going on? She says, okay, I'm uh, calling to get payment from you. I said, lady, I'm not trying to be an asshole or anything like that, but doesn't he have to be dead? She goes, oh, uh, and I go, you gotta be shitting me, and she, you can tell this poor woman. I says. You're telling me he's dead. And she says, I am really sorry that you're hearing it like this. Okay. I says, ma'am, you're, you, you've done nothing wrong. You happen to be at the wrong place, wrong time. And I, and I says, I actually feel sorry for you. You know, that you're in this weird, awkward kind of thing. I says, but it does not surprise me in the fucking least. She goes, what do you mean? I says, you know, people treated Paul like shit. And he didn't deserve that. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pay for all the services. We're going to make sure Paul gets taken care of, all right? Is his body there? She says, no. The hospital is uh, basically preparing the body right now. I said, here's the thing. He has a blue knitted blanket. That blanket needs to come with him and be put in the crematory. Whatever the machine's name is, I don't fucking know. I says, we're going to keep this motherfucker warm one last time, and we're going to make sure he's taken care of, because that's what this motherfucker deserves. She goes, okay, okay. I says, now, I need you to call me back when you know more. No problem, no problem. She called me back an hour later. She says, sir, we have his body, and we have the blanket. Perfect. I say, here's what I want you to do. Wrap him in that blanket, put him in the fucking oven, but I want him to go with some fucking dignity. He deserves that. Okay. So I ended up paying about twenty five hundred bucks because it was, you know, twelve hundred for the, uh, for the uh, cremation and then another. He was having his ashes mixed with his mom's and all that kind of shit. But Paul died. And so, here's what I want you all out there listening to do. If you're sitting by, you know, sitting around having a drink, you know, enjoying the show. Raise your glass to Paul, one of the baddest motherfuckers out there I've ever known, fiercely loyal, and always took care of me. And he's a friend of ours, and he'll always be a friend of ours. He's the kind of guy that you can tell anything to. You know, you're cheating on your taxes. You know, you're, you know, you got into a bar fight and you punch a dude's face in. You got arrested one time and nobody knows. You know, things like that. You can tell him anything and he'll keep his fucking mouth shut. Because that's what a brother does. That's what a friend of ours does. 
And Paul's one of those people. He earned his spot at the table, and he deserves the respect of everybody raising their glasses to him. Cheers, Paul. Love you, brother. So let me tell you about death and my experiences with it. Probably the most recent one happened back in 2013. <clears throat> my father's side of the family fucking worthless just the most degenerate alcoholic like i have a drink one i have a drink during our shows right i have one lemon drop period i have a shot of vodka i have you know citrus vodka some uh uh simply syrup i think it's called some other sweetener some sugar and that's it and that's what I have. And I have one a week. And that's actually a lot for me. I usually drink one drink a year. So, in 2000, late 2012 and early 2013, my grandparents on my father's side, honorable, lovable people, they have children who are in their 60s. My grandparents are in their 80s. And the kids can't get their shit together my father my uncle my other uncles all the uncles and aunts just except for uncle rick uncle rick's uncle rick's cool none of these motherfuckers can get their shit together always losing their job always broke always drinking always doing dumb 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 shit so grandma and grandpa they're they're you know, they're in their 80s. You know, they're, they're getting their fucking, you know, their, their fucking bones are falling apart. You know, they're old people, right? So they would always complain about their kids. You know, borrow money, borrow money, borrow money. And I said, listen, you tell me the word. And I will come here with some very large men. And we will do some ugly, ugly things. For example, my aunt, she moved in with her grandparents when she's in her 50s because she can't seem to get her shit together not because she lost her job not because she got a divorce not because of some life-altering thing that you would be embarrassed as a fucking adult to have happen to you if i had a movie with my mother i would work like santa's fucking elves to get the fuck out of my mother's house i'd be embarrassed she moved in with her grand with her parents got a room then got a boyfriend and his son and they moved in and my grandmother was complaining hey you know they're in here all the time you know blah blah so i pulled grandma aside. i says listen here, here's the thing are they taking money from you no i don't think so but they are borrowing money an awful lot okay grandma and grandpa got pain pills you know they're fucking in their 80s you know shit hurts and i said you know you tell me the fucking word you literally say the word go and i'm gonna grab these people I'm going to throw them the fuck out. No, 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 no. You're, you're fine. You're fine. Okay, okay. I'm just, I'm just telling you, Grandma, the option's there, all right? Now, Grandma knows that I hang with a bunch of roughneck motherfuckers. And these guys have been arrested. These guys have been in fights. I've got one guy who's uh, an Iraq war veteran who is... He's one of those lovable guys, and I need to have him on this show. He's one of those lovable guys that you just know is just a little unhinged. I guarantee you, if I called him and said, my grandparents are being taken advantage of, I need you to fly up here, 
he would fly up there on his own dime and basically beat the shit out of these people. So I pulled the boyfriend aside, and he's a fat tub of shit. And nothing wrong with being fat, but he's a tub of shit. So I pull him aside and says, listen, dude, I need you to understand something. I says, you're living with your girlfriend's parents who are in their 80s. Move the fuck out. And he and I had a few words out in the front yard. I says, I need, I need you to understand something, okay? If I find out you're abusing them or taking advantage of them in any way, as this, and look at me in my eyes, I need you to know I'm telling you the fucking God's truth. I will come here with four very large men and I will put you through that fucking window. And grandma and grandpa have this gigantic plate glass window. I says, I'm going to put you through that fucking window. And after I'm done stomping your fucking face into the concrete, I'm going to make a phone call. You know where I'm going to call? He says, I don't know the police. I go, no. I'm going to call the glass people because now I owe grandma and grandpa a new fucking window. I don't give a fuck about you. So the message was sent nice and clear. So that's the kind of people that they are. So in October of 2012, get a phone call. Grandma's passed. Fuck. Grandma has been the patriarch or matriarch of the family forever, ever. Thanksgiving, Christmas was always at Grandma's house. She always made sure that everybody got taken care of. Always made this elaborate spread, you know, in a 1,200 square foot house for 30, 40 people. You know, always busted her ass. You know, she was a hard woman. Don't get me wrong. The girl, you know, the girl liked a little whiskey in her soda pop. You know what I mean? But, you know, the girl, the, the lady knew how to take care of shit, right? When you think grandma's house, Thanksgiving, you know, turkey, potatoes, pies, yams, you know, football on TV, that kind of thing, when you think that, that's my grandma's house. So she passes. She apparently got up, asked, uh, you know, walked to the, to, the, to the bathroom, came back, sat down, and she had one of those grandma recliners, uh, looked at grandpa, She'd been married to this man for 67 fucking years. Jesus Christ. Said, you know, father, which is fucking weird in and of itself. I don't know why, but he used, she used to call him father. He used to call her mother. I guess it was some, you know, old-timey thing. I don't fucking get it. She goes, father, can I have a cup of hot water? Yeah, baby, no problem. So he gets up and he shuffles into the kitchen, gets some hot water, comes back, sets it down. Notices she hasn't touched it. Doesn't think anything of it. They're just watching TV. Doesn't think anything of it. And all of a sudden he looks over and she's just gone. Just fucking, it was weird. She just asked for a cup of hot water. So naturally, family falls apart, crying, all that kind of shit. So I get there, and I kid you not, I have never seen a larger jug of vodka. This thing must be at least the size of a gallon milk jug. I didn't know they sold them in this fucking size. And I get there, and my cousin is there. And he's a nice guy, but he's a fucking, you know, alcoholic. And they're just passing this jug around, swigging it. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? This, you know, your, your fucking grandma's passed, man. What the fuck? Hey, show a little respect. Nope, 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 nope. Passing around, whatever. So I go in, and it's me, one other cousin, and an, um, like a uncle once removed or whatever. We're the only successful people in, in the family, you know, just because we just happen to pay attention and not do anything stupid. So Grandpa, and this is, I have never heard anybody say shit like this. This is the coldest shit I have ever heard a motherfucker say. And then Grandpa was a World War II Navy veteran, so I'm going to cut the guy some slack. 
he says to me, I go, Grandpa, you doing okay? What do you need from me? You tell me, I'll make it happen. He looks over at Grandma's chair because the, the coroner or the funeral home had come, taken her body. They had already pre-planned all of this. So they came, got the body, took her out. I said, Grandpa, you tell me what you need me to do. I will make it happen. Whatever you need. Does not matter. You need a trip to the store. You need me to take you somewhere. You need me to you know, say some words. You need me to corral people. You tell me, I'll make it fucking happen. <laughs> this bad motherfucker. <laughs> he says, that's a chair where Grandma died. I said, yeah. He says, check it for stains. And if there are any, throw out the chair. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and the thing is, I just fucking did it. I just looked at him like, cool, that's what Grandpa wants. Checked it for stains, no stains, no stains, Grandpa. Cool, all right. And, and that was the end of the fucking conversation. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> One of the baddest motherfuckers out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so fast forward. Now, to be fair, let me give you a paint a little picture here. I'm going to MMA classes over at uh, Team Quest at the time, over in Portland off 182nd. I'm training all the time. I am in phenomenal shape, right? Chest out there, arms jacked, stomach flat, the whole nine, right? So fast forward to April of 2013, and I check on Grandpa, you know, after Grandma died, hey, buddy, you doing all right? He's like, yeah, yeah, we're fine. I'm like, okay. April 3rd, 2013, I get a phone call from Uncle Rick, the good one. He says, hey, man, uh, you know, dad passed. I'm like, oh, shit, dude. You all right? And he says, I'm on my way there now. Meet me at Grandpa's house. Not a problem. So I raced down there. And Grandma and Grandpa had, a, like I say, 1,200-square-foot house, fucking Ozzy and Harriet-looking place. And there were six kids in this thing, right? This is a very, very small three-bedroom, one-bath, right? So they have uh, two twin-size beds. They slept separately. You know, some Ozzy and Harriet shit, right? And Grandpa's laying in bed. He just laid down, never woke up, right? So funeral home sends some people, right? Now, I'm not faulting the funeral home people, right? I know that they were in a tough bind i know that they were doing their best but this shit's funny <laughs> so this room is really really tiny like give you an example this room was small enough to where when you had two twin size beds one on either side of the room if you walk between them your knees your right knee would touch one bed and your left knee would touch another bed it was that fucking tight and so, and of course, they got tons of shit in there. They got like a dresser and a small TV and all sorts of kind of bullshit. I mean, it's a tight, tight, tight fit. And so they're thinking, shit, how do we get this body out of here without being disrespectful? Because they go, well, we, you know, we can grab arms and legs, but his head's going to flop back, you know, and there's crying family members fucking everywhere. So I can see that they're having some trouble. Now, the funeral home sent a man who had to be at least 350 pounds. And a woman who had to be like 85 pounds. These people are not designed for picking up a dead body. So finally I take it upon myself. Had to do it on the shoulder. I go, hey man, um, talk to you for a minute. He's like, yeah, yeah, what you got? 
I said, you guys look like you're pondering how to, how to handle this. I says, you, you know, he's like, yeah, I says, I don't know what we're going to do. He says, I, I, I'm kind of at a loss. I said, I tell you what, I said, I'll pick him up. I'll cradle him, you know, kind of like you would a baby. I said, I'll pick him up. I'll give him that dignity. I will not have him, you know, flopped around, whatever. I says, I need him to have dignity because this guy was solid in my life. My dad was a drug addict, you know, alcoholic biker. I was stepping over, you know, passed out bikers going to kindergarten, shit like that. He liked beating me and my mom for sport, shit like that, right? Grandpa, on the other hand, was, I'm going to take you hunting. I'm going to take you fishing. I'm going to teach you things. I'm going to do grandpa shit, right? You know, never going to raise my voice to you, all that kind of stuff. Solid, solid fucking man. Okay. And and you could see the relief go over the guy's face. Okay. Yeah, we could do that. So I said, tell you what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to pick him up. I'm going to reach my arms under his uh, under his back and under his uh, crook of his legs, right behind the knees. So you just make sure his head is nice and stable. I says, I'm going to, you know, kind of shoulder it a little bit. I says, but I might lose a little bit. And he goes, okay. So we, you know, pull the gurney down the hallway. I, We wrap him in a sheet. I said, all right, on three. One, two, three. I pick him up and I roll him towards me. You know, give him that one last hug. And... The smell of death hit me like a like a fucking Mike Tyson punch. Just fucking rocked me. I'm like, mmm. And my 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 lizard brain said, do not drop him. No, no, we're not dropping grandpa. No fucking way. So I power through it, get him to the gurney. We seatbelt him in, you know, get him all nice and covered, zip him up, take him out. Take him out to the, the little minivan with the little slider thing in the back. And the guy pulls me aside. Hey, man, I really, really, really appreciate that. He says, we were trying to think of something to do. He says, family members never offer to pick up the dead. They're always like, oh, my God, what do we pay you for? This, this, and this. They say horrible shit. You know, and it's, it's, they're, they're, they're upset, you know, and rightfully so. But uh, he says, I really want to thank you for that, man. He says, I, I don't know what we were going to do if you weren't here. Fine, not, not a problem, buddy. Appreciate it. So they take off. So, funeral home leaves. Family members talking for a little bit. My cousin decides that's going to be a good time to throw those little poppets, those little firecracker things. You know, you throw them down and they pop. Throws them down behind me. Scares the living shit out of me. Problem is that when you scare the living shit out of me, I reach and I grab and I, you know, I want to like kill whatever the fuck it is. And my wife, who was then my girlfriend, I grab him, and you could see, like, the look of, oh, oh, God. Like, because I was just filled with rage at that point, because he would do something so fucking disrespectful at Grandpa's, you know, house. Fine, whatever. So, fast forward. And this part, to this day, fucking bothers me. Like... Touches my soul bothers me. When I say bothers me, it's not like something was wrong or anything like that. But like I've got a callus over my heart. I got a deep, deep callus over my heart. And it takes a lot to pierce that. Make me go, ooh, I fucking felt that. Ooh, that felt like my boy, he does that shit all the time. He comes up to me, Dad, you're my best friend. Like, ooh, ooh. That's that's, that's some good shit right there, buddy. 
you know, he comes up, gives me a hug. You know, he's super lovey. He's nice. He's sensitive. He's a good fucking kid. He's nothing like I was, you know. didn't. He's not dealing with, like, abuse or drug or alcohol abuse. or He's not dealing with fucking, like I say, pass out bikers. He's not dealing with any of that shit. He's a good fucking kid, and I want to keep it that way. Even if that means i got to be the bad guy to other people to keep that shit from him. So, we're at the funeral. We're at the, we're at the gravesite, right? Crying, all that shit. Walk up to my, uh... I gave a speech, um, revealed a bunch of stuff at there, um, a lot of people were real surprised, um, you know, just kind of, you know, telling them, you know, how I felt about grandpa, you know, grandpa was a fucking solid guy, you know, and I, and he was a man who was a father figure when I needed a father figure, you know, you know, you're a young kid, your parents are getting divorced, you know, your dad's a fucking, you know, alcoholic, drug addict, degenerate fucking person, and he's the stable one in your life. You know, mom was gone because mom didn't have any money, so she had to go, you know, fly back to, to her hometown to, you know, earn some money and come back. But she's a saint, so, you know, don't, don't, don't think anything about that. So grandpa was the guy. Grandma and grandpa, they took care of me. They made sure that shit was done right. You know, you're going to grow up. You're going to be a solid kid, blah, blah, blah. So we're at the gravesite. And like I say, grandpa was an old World War II Navy veteran, right? And... Side note, <laughs> before Grandpa died, we were telling fun military stories. And he says, oh, man, he says, I remember one time we sold this uh, this Navy boat. And he never told me how big the Navy boat was, but it, it did sound like it was a pretty big Navy boat. And he says, when we got it stuck, we ran in the ground. He says, and we were panicking because we were thinking we were all going to get, you know, fucking sent to the brig. And he says, uh, and the tide came in and raised the boat up got back you know everybody was happy and having a good time and he says and we got back literally five minutes to spare and i'm like you stole a motherfucking navy boat good for you grandpa <laughs> fucking go man go so <laughs> so the navy sent the honor guard he hasn't been in the navy since the 40s this is 2013 this is 70 fucking years later they sent the, the honor guard and these guys were dressed to the fucking nines there was two guys uh, it was a black guy and a white guy, probably in their 40s. These guys could not have looked sharper. I mean, their suits or their, their dress blues, they were pressed. Their shoes were fucking mirrors. These guys could not have been drawn better. Guy comes out. You know, we will take care of our sailor. We will make sure that he has the proper rights. Cool. So, we're... You know, the casket's put on the little lowering mechanism. He's getting lowered to the ground. Now, we're probably 100 feet from the sidewalk. You know, uh, there's a cemetery and there's a sidewalk. It's on a main street that goes through uh, through my town. And I, I see out of the corner of my eye walking down the street, uh, this homeless guy and his dog. And the... Uh, and I'm thinking nothing of them. I just see him, I, you know, whatever. And, and he looks like a homeless guy. Like, you know, three fucking coats on, you know, backpack full of shit. The dog is disheveled, you know, all that kind of stuff. And this motherfucker did something that fucking just reached into my goddamn soul. So the honor guard starts playing uh, taps. And everybody's quiet, and everybody's somber, and it's dead quiet. And I'm looking at the honor guard. And my wife nudges me. 
and I, it aggravated me. So I'm ignoring it. I'm like, shut the fuck up, right? And she nudges me again, and I'm like, not fucking now. So the honor guard's doing their thing, and they're playing taps. They lower them into the ground, and, you know, the ceremony finishes. And we're talking, this is literally within, like, a minute, right? And I look at her, just filled with rage. I'm like, what the fuck is it? And she says, the homeless guy stopped, saw that they were playing taps, saluted the entire time, and the dog sat down. I'm like, get the fuck out. She goes, yeah. I'm like, god damn it. Okay, you know what? I, I dig that. So I happen to have cash on me. I'm like, you know what? That guy was nice and honorable to a stranger, and he didn't fucking have to be. Uh, I'm going to show him a little thanks, right? This is a perfectly straight road. There's nowhere for this motherfucker to go. I walk the hundred feet up. He couldn't go anywhere. He's nowhere to be fucking found. I'm looking. Nothing. I have, To this day, I don't know where the fuck this motherfucker went. He was gone like a goddamn ghost. I saw him. From the time I saw him to the time the task player stopped to the time that I got up to where he was could not have been more than a minute and a half, maybe two. This is a perfectly straight road that goes for miles. He had nowhere to go, and I don't know where the fuck he went. And it's one of those just weird, creepy fucking things, you know? So, between Grandma, between Grandpa, between the guy that I'm going to interview probably this weekend... Um, he and I dealt with it, uh, eventually became a corpse. We had to do CPR on a guy who did not make it. Between that, between all of the other fucked up things that I've had in my life, I've had to deal with death on a regular basis. And so when Paul died, you know, it was, it was just another thing. It's like, okay, gotta call a funeral home, gotta pay the bill, gotta, 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 running through the motions. So... One thing we should all do, raise our glasses again to Paul, who took care of a brother, to Grandpa, who took care of his grandson, even though his piece of shit son should have done it, to Grandma, who always made sure that I never left her house hungry. I mean, what Grandma doesn't, but this woman, my God, she had enough food to feed a fucking army. <laughs> raise a glass to the people that left that impression in your life that made you go, Jesus Christ, you're fucking wonderful and I love you for it. So, raise your glasses, you cocksuckers. Have a good one.